Greetings to you and welcome back to the Institute of World Vision podcast. What a roller coaster of events we're witnessing all around us, wouldn't you say? The world is basically turned around 180 degrees in a matter of a few weeks. It's a global pandemic and it left nothing untouched. That, of course, includes us, members of the Adventist Cross-Cultural Missions community. In the last couple of weeks, we've heard from so many of you. Thank you for being willing to share your updates, your prayer requests. Thank you for being such a tremendous prayer community, for truly praying for each other. This is the first time I see how we've come together as a community in a time of crisis. And we can see how our Lord Jesus is the ultimate refuge and the source of strength for each of us individually, for our families, for us as a community. We witness evacuations, yes, stranded spouses in different countries, most everyone isolated under some kind of quarantine. And in all this, you're keeping strong. Well, just before passing the mic to Gabriela for today's interview, I'd love to bring your attention to one of our recent blog articles on the IWM blog. It's titled, What Keeps a Missionary Going in a Time of Crisis? We do need to move forward and even support others. We are leaders, people with spiritual influence, and uh, we need to have our foundation strong. So join me in a conversation around that particular article. I'd love to see and engage with your comments on that blog post. The link is in the show notes and the title is once again, What Keeps a Missionary Going in a Time of Crisis? Now, we have a longer episode today. So we are jumping back to the Honor and Shame series with this episode. And you're in for a rich blessing as Gabriella Phillips interviews Dr. Jeff Hayes. After the episode, I'll share with you about an upcoming online learning track. Yes, it's a series of learning modules, learning courses for those of us who live and work in Islamic societies. Stay tuned, but for now, it's interview time. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org podcast to view this podcast show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Welcome back to another episode of on our series for the Institute of World Mission when we are exploring honor shame related themes. Today I am very pleased to have a conversation with my former professor with a Dr. Jeff Hayes. It's in Colorado at the moment. We happened to meet a few years back in Kenya where he was teaching us Islamic studies. Welcome, Jeff, and thank you so much for being willing to share this time with me. Thank you so much, Gabby. For those of you who don't know who is Jeff, I would like to share a little bit of why I feel he's highly qualified to have this conversation with us today. Jeff has been involved in ministry among Muslims for over 42 years. He has a strong background in linguistics, both with translation of the Quran and translation of the Bible. 
and also translation of secular text, so much so that he is among the top most qualified translators in terms of official qualifications here in the United States. And there are many more reasons I can think of why the choice of Jeff is the best for the topic that we'll be planning today. And one of them is because for the last many years, he has been involved in equipping missionaries around the world. And the topic that we will be discussing today, which is how to communicate the good news of Jesus so that people who live in ownership context truly can experience them as good news. So thank you, Jeff, for being willing to spend this time with us. Oh, thank you. Jeff, let me start with a personal story. Years ago, in 1996, I lived in a Muslim country, and I remember I had the chance to share to a large number of women about the story of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, especially the meaning, why did Jesus have to die? And I remember I put my heart, I fasted, I put all the passion that a Latino can put forth, and at the end of the presentation, I just felt that it was a flop. The women kept staring at me. They were polite. They say, thank you so much. But it was very clear that something had gotten very wrong, that whatever I have said had not touched a nerve, was not connecting heart to heart. Can you help me understand what did I do wrong? Well, there are several worldviews, and most of our gospel presentations have been made with a guilt, innocence, or guilt forgiveness point of view. And from what I have seen in the Arab world, at least in the Muslim world in general, the Muslims do not think in those terms as much. They think much more in an honor shame kind of a paradigm. So if somebody feels honor or shame, and I tell them about guilt or sin or innocence or forgiveness, they understand the words, but it doesn't touch their heart. And so... It's like Um, you're solving a problem that they don't have. Exactly. You're scratching where they don't itch. Okay, (laughs) great. So, (laughs) Jeff, assuming that I were to give him the chance to go back to Azerbaijan and redo the whole thing all over. Okay. What would be the right way? How should I approach the presentation of the gospel in a way that they could say, wow, now you're talking something that really is good news to us? What would you do? Well, I developed a presentation maybe 10 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago. And when I have shared this with Muslims, it really clicks. They say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Instead of, no, 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 we have an objection. And so this is how, you know, let me share that with you. And and if you have any questions, feel free to interrupt. Yes, right, right. Thank you so much, Jeff. Yes, I'm listening. Okay. And I would say what I'll do in this presentation is I will use verses that can be used from the Quran, I'm sure all the listeners would be able to substitute Bible verses as well for that or use Bible verses in addition. Mm -hmm. But I'll just use the ones from the Quran because people will not maybe be as familiar with those. Okay. So I would start off with a question. When God created Adam, where was he? Where was Adam? No. And they would respond, so, well, he was in heaven or in the garden. So uh, are you telling me... In, sorry? Uh, sorry, Jeff. So are you telling me that the Muslims know the story of Adam? Actually, the story of Adam in the Quran is fairly close to the biblical version. Okay, great. 
So, yeah. So the word in Arabic is al-Jannah, which means the garden or heaven. And so they would say, yeah, he was created there. And then I would say, what was his situation like when he was in the garden? And they would say something like, oh, well, he, he had great honor. He had the position of God's regent, Khalifa. He was kind of in charge of all creation. He had a job to learn the names or give the names of the animals. It was a great responsibility. That's an honor, too. He was taught privately by God. I mean, God was his private tutor, kind of, mm. which shows a close relationship with God. Yes. He was pure. He had a bounty of food, all the food that he needed. And all those things show that God honored Adam in very many ways. Right. Now, why don't you start with those questions? Why don't you tell them straight a presentation of the gospel? What's the thinking behind that? Well, I like to start where they are rather than where I am. I think in Acts 8.35 is a good example. When Philip spoke to the Ethiopian eunuch, it says, and beginning with that scripture, the one that the eunuch had been reading, he told him the good news of Jesus. So I want to start where they are rather than where I already am. Great, great, great. Okay, so after they have told you all these exciting and exalted titles, that are attached to Adam and his position of honor, what's next? Well, I would say, what happened to Adam? I and I, I like asking them the questions because then I'm building on knowledge that they already have. Right. And they would say, oh, well, he, God told him not to eat of the tree and he ate it and God kicked him out of the, out of the garden. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in our Western guilt innocence point of view we would we would say adam sinned exactly and that does not communicate that well but what does communicate is he disobeyed and actually there's actually a verse in the quran that says adam disobeyed and went astray so mm -hmm. they have the concept of disobedience and they would agree with that they just don't like the word for sin okay so then god told adam to go down Their concept is go down from the garden down to earth. Our concept in the Bible is go out of the garden to a different place on earth. But the result is the same. Get out of the garden. So would you address that issue of the sending down that they are not coming from paradise to the earth? Oh, that's not a key point it's, in the story. It's not a key point. You know, if they understand go down and it means go out, I think that's fine. Okay. I don't have a problem with it. Okay, perfect. Well, so then when they said, when I asked them, well, where is he now? He's on the earth. And I said, what was his situation after he got down to the earth? Mm -hmm. And then they would tell me a number of ways in which Adam was living in shame. He was far away from God, estranged from God. He was unclean because of his disobedience. He was naked. He had lost his position as God's regent. Instead of being at peace with God and the animals and his wife, he was in enmity with them. Mm -hmm. All kinds of different ways that Adam was now in a situation of shame. Right. Okay. So then after agreeing that he started in honor and, and ended up in shame, I say something like, If the father of a family does something shameful, he, you know, has a high position and he loses it or, you know, he's he gets shamed in front of the society. What happens to his family? Mm. 
Right. And they would all say something like, oh, the whole family is shamed. Mm. And that's the point. And then I say, well, do you know that we are called sons of Adam or children of Adam? Right. And they get the kind of, uh-huh, okay, well, it's not just Adam that was shamed. We're all shamed because he's our father. Interesting. And this is very important to establish the need that not only Adam, but also we have of receiving some sort of solution to the problem of shame. Is that so? Yes. So, so the problem of Adam is our problem too. Yes. We have, you know, we have the same shame that Adam does and we need to recover that. Right. The honorable place of the family. Okay. Great. Yeah. So then I say, well, what did Adam try to do? And they all know the story that Adam tried to sew clothes out of the leaves of the garden. And mm -hmm. I say, well, was he successful? And, you know, he was trying to use his own efforts to cover his shame. And they would say, no, no, he wasn't successful. So I said, well, what did God do? And they don't always know the verse, but some of them would know, well, God gave him clothing. Right. And clothing is, you know, that's what the Bible says and what what the Quran also says. The Quran doesn't say what kind of clothing it is, but it hints when it says feathers and clothing, it hints that it was probably skins of animals. Right. Yeah. So as they see that God, you know, used skins and and if they say, well, the Quran doesn't say I say, well, in the Quran, chapter 10, which is Eunice, verse 94 says, if you're in doubt about what the Quran says, ask the people that are reading the book that was before you. Okay, and that's so Eunice said, 94, just for those who want to Eunice follow. Eunice, verse 94, it's chapter 10, verse 94. Yeah. And so I say, since the Quran is not clear, what should you do if you want to know the answer? And they would have to say something like, well, I should ask somebody who reads the book. Okay. And I say, would you well, like wait a to minute, hear what Jeff, the... For those who are new, what is the book? What book are you talking about or is the uh, Quran referring to? Yeah, when the Quran says, ask the people who are reading the book that was before you, it refers okay. to the Bible, the Old okay. and New Testaments. Perfect, perfect. So you tell them to go yeah. and read the, what the book has to say regarding the clothing that they received. Okay, we are yeah. so far and there. If we don't want to spend the time to actually open the Bible and read it, we could actually just, I could just tell them what it is. And it yes. was, it was skins. Yes. Now, what is so that I important? Said, well, the skin re represents, I ask them, how did God get skins off of the animals? Right. Okay. And they would say, well, he had to kill it. Yeah. So this is and, the first uh, animal said, sacrifice. Yeah, so there's the sacrifice, there's the shedding of blood, yes. and I believe this is a symbol of what God was going to do to provide the solution. Right, okay. That wasn't a total solution for Adam. Adam didn't get back up into the garden, yes. but at least it pointed the direction so that we can get back into the garden. Right, so this, is, this serves as building up cues that eventually yes. will help them to see the fullness of the picture. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So anyway, so if we're going to get a way back, it probably has something to do with the shedding of blood. Mm, right. Okay. Now, in the Quran, after Adam sins, after he has disobeyed God and gotten thrown out, 
he said, Lord, we have wronged ourselves. And if you don't forgive us and have mercy on us, we'll certainly be lost. Yes. So that's basically, you know, we would agree with that, that without God's forgiveness and mercy, we are lost. Right. And so this is two different paths. One path leads to forgiveness and mercy. The other path leads to lostness and hell. Okay. Eternal separation from God. So anyway, so we, I would, if I'm drawing this out, I would start off by talking about Adam up in heaven at the top, and then he goes down to the earth. Now this is kind of a line that would head back up toward the top. And I say, well, if this is the way back, what do you think you would call this way? And sometimes they come up with, how about the straight path? Mm-hmm. And the straight path is something that Muslims all know about. And it's something that a serious Muslim who prays all five prayers a day, he prays this verse, guide us on the straight path, 17 times a day. So instead of talking about a plan of salvation, using language that God wants to restore us to the straight path, and the straight path is what he will bring us back to our jannah, that would be language that they will relate better to. Is that what you're saying? Quite a lot better. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, would you bring forth the point that one sin and one sin alone caused them to say, if it wouldn't be for the mercy of God, we'll be among the lost? You know, you could. I don't think it's necessary for, okay. for them to understand that. I would say... Okay. The focus on shame is is much more, it's something that they really relate to better. Okay. Okay, great. So then I might ask them, suppose there's somebody in a village somewhere who is very smart and his parents would like to send him to university. Nobody in that village has ever been to the university. And so everybody in the village gathers their money together and they give him enough so that he can go and, and study and come back with a degree in four years. And he goes off, and in his first semester, he wastes all the money, whether mm. it's by, you know, doing shameful things or just wasting the money. And after one semester, he cannot continue because he doesn't have any more money. <laughs> and then I ask him, could he go back to his father now? <laughs> Such a beautiful story. <laughs> and of course, you know, they would say, oh, no, he couldn't go back. He's too shameful. And I said, well, what could happen? How could he get back? And they would say, well, you know, he has to repay the money or he has to get somebody who's honorable to help him to come back. So I said, well, you know, if it's a person who is dishonorable, that obviously wouldn't help him because he's dishonorable and the other person is also. But if we want to get back, we need some kind of a person who has qualities of honor and also someone who has a relationship. Now, in the West, we think a good mediator would be somebody who is a neutral party, who has no preconceptions and doesn't know either party. Right, like a neutral person. Yeah, a neutral person. Whereas in the Arab world, it has to be somebody that both parties know. Yes, and trust. And trust. Yes, right, so right, there, right. True. There has to be this trust so yes. that they can, he can bring him back. Because, And so in the case of this boy, it might be his uncle, mm-hmm. the brother of his father, who could talk to the father. And when the father's ready, he would send him to bring back this son. Mm-hmm. So it's the kind of thing you can't go just 
go back on your own and just mm-hmm. he's publicly shamed the family and would be an outcast until some until sort of reparation yeah no i'm saying that there has to be some sort of reparation before yeah. he's able to to go back home right yeah yeah. So anyway, I mean, with Adam, God provided the blood with, you know, with this, we need to have on the straight path. The uncle's honor would be the thing that would get him back. Yes. So, right. so there are two very interesting verses in the Quran, both in chapter 19, which is Maryam, mm-hmm. verses 21 and 71. And it talks about the two predestined things, according to the Quran. Now, the word predestined, maqdiyan in Arabic, is only there in the Quran twice, in these mm. two verses. Mm. Chapter 19, Maryam 21, talks about that Jesus is the mercy of God. Jesus is God's mercy and a sign for all beings, and that was predestined. So Jesus is the only predestined mercy. And verse 71 talks about hellfire. Hellfire is the only predestined certainty. So we have two predestined things that are opposites. One is mercy, one is hellfire. And if you got the one, you missed the other. Hmm. So if you go to hellfire, you miss mercy. And if you go, if you get mercy, you miss hellfire. So Jeff, let me make sure that I'm following you here. You are creating a biblical worldview in which there is a straight path and that it's eventually Jesus, it will become more clear as the story goes on, or there is a path of disobedience that leads to hellfire. And so by framing this using the Quran, you are creating these two lifestyles or two choices, basically. Is that where you're going? Yeah. So Adam said, unless you have mercy and forgive us, we will be lost. Right. And the two predestined verses talk about either mercy in Jesus or hellfire. So if you don't want hellfire, you need the mercy that is in Jesus. Amen. That's so beautiful. Do you ever link with the verse that talks about the robes of righteousness, labis ataqua? Uh-huh. That's in the same verse that we referred to earlier about the feathers and the garments. Yes. And it does says the, the... Garments or the clothing of righteousness is the best. And that would, if you want to talk about that, that is kind of something like, hmm, how do I get righteousness? And of course, Jesus is the way to get righteousness. Right. So here we have also another contrasting. You have the robes that cover the body, the nakedness of the body. But God is saying, but better are the robes of righteousness because it covers the nakedness of the heart. Yeah, because we're not physically naked, but we are, our hearts are naked, our hearts are in shame. Right, right, right. And the robes of righteousness is God's answer to the problem of such nakedness. Exactly. Good, good, good. So here we are with these two predestined things, one being Jesus and one hellfire. How do you move to the next level? Okay, I say if a person wants to be on the straight path, according to the Quran, what does he need to do? And most of them don't know the verses. There are actually two passages that have almost exactly the same qualifications to be on the straight path. One is in chapter 3, Al-Umran, verses 50 and 51. And the other is in Az-Zukhruf, chapter 43, verses 61 to 64. 
And the four qualifications you need to have in order to be on the straight path are following God, fearing God, worshiping God, and obeying Jesus. Hmm. Now, if that doesn't boggle your mind, I'm not wow. sure what would. <laughs> really? That's amazing. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> in both of those verses, it says that we need to be obeying Jesus hmm. to be on the straight path. So, if we want to do that, we notice also that the mercy, the predestined mercy, is mercy in Jesus. And these straight path things include obeying Jesus. So Jesus is showing up more than once in this illustration. Beautiful. So what does that actually mean to obey Jesus? Because Muslims said, oh, yeah, he's a prophet and we follow his teachings. How do you have them to see that this is bigger than just do's and don'ts, haram halals kind of mindset? Well, I would say something like this. I would say, it seems that you fear God. And they say, oh, yes. And you worship God. Oh, I do my prayers. And you try to follow God. Yes. Are you obeying Jesus? And when you express it like that, they kind of, it gives them pause. And they kind of think, okay. hmm, I'm not sure. How do I obey Jesus? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Because okay, okay. in the Quran, there's not much that Jesus says to obey in the mm -hmm. Quran. Yes, right. But of course, in the Bible, there's plenty. So I can so that's see, how Jeff, I would that what you do is through your questions, you are creating space in the mind, like creating shelves on the brain for people to start accommodating a larger thinking. So this is kind I'm of the role of the questions. To, to use, yeah. create categories in their mind, create right. boxes or whatever that makes sense to them yeah. so that they can go from there. Right, right, right. Good. So, so then I would say another thing is this person that can bring us back to God. I mean, in the case of the father, it might be an uncle, yeah. but in our case, it's God. So mm -hmm. who is it that can bring us to God? Mm -hmm. And the person that would bring us to God must be an honorable person, as we've already talked about. He must have a good relationship with both God and man. Yes. And he should have some kind of a significant position with both God and man. Yes. And at that point, I say, well, do you know who it is that is called wajihan fi dunya wal akhirah, highly exalted in this world and in the world to come? And is that a title that is exclusive to Jesus? Or yes, is that applied that is, to? he is the only one who is called highly exalted in this world and in the world to come. Okay. And so exalted in this world means he has a relationship to us. Yes. exalted in the world to come means he has a relationship with God. Right. And so Jesus is that person who has this highly exalted honor above all other people. Right. Furthermore, the Quran also says that Jesus is the only one who is sinless. And that's mm -hmm. Maryam chapter 19, verse 19. Yeah. And so we see that Jesus is sinless, so he has no offense between him and God or him and man. He's highly honored. And in fact, that same verse ends up, he is close to God. He has been brought near to God. Mm, we would say he's at, sitting at the right hand of God, but for their in their terms, it would be he is close to God. Yes. So he is able to be a, an intercessor or a mediator. Mm. So if the 
straight path involves obeying Jesus. And the mercy we get from God is mercy in Jesus. And the person who can bring us back is a person who is highly honored, sinless, and close to God. Then that's Jesus also. So we're seeing Jesus in all these ways. So then I ask him a question, okay, can the son immediately go to the uncle and say, bring me back to my father right now? And they would say, oh, no, no, oh, no. the father has mm-hmm. to calm down and his anger has to calm down so that he can receive his son. And so I said, okay. So when he's ready, then the father in our story would send the uncle to bring the son back. Yeah. And they say, yeah, that, that makes sense. So I said, but well, we've been talking a lot about Jesus, Isa. Did God send Jesus? Did Allah send Isa? And they would say, well, yes, he's a prophet, so God sent him. And I said, well, yes, not only that, but in chapter 4 and Nisa, verse 171, it says that he is the word of God whom he cast down to Mary. So when God had his word, he cast down his word to Mary, and that word became Jesus. So in, in at least two different ways, Jesus was sent by God. So we have Jesus is the one who is sent by God. Jesus is the mercy. Jesus is the one we must obey to be on the straight path. Jesus is the honorable person who can be our mediator. Everybody, Everything seems to be about Jesus. And you know what I like about this, Jeff, because a Muslim has this confusion that Jesus is simply a prophet. And without debunking what they believe, instead of saying, no, you're wrong, I'm right, you are creating a necessity for the saving role of Jesus indirectly. So that yeah. then he will be confronted to say, wait a minute, how can it be Jesus doing all these things and being Bukhara, being near to God or, or being the remover of sin or, or providing robes of righteousness and be just a prophet? So you are creating that kind of mindset that eventually leads him to, to see Jesus in the fullness of the picture. That's really, really good. Um, yeah. Jeff, before yeah. you continue, I know that there is a, a question in the in my mind, and I'm sure in the mind of some of the listeners. And of course, every metaphor breaks at some point. I get that. How can we avoid giving the impression that Jesus is the one to protect us from God, who is very wrathful? You know, the Father is very angry, and He has to appease His wrath, and so He sends Jesus to kind of okay, just hang in there, and eventually, when I cool down, you know, you can come back. How can we avoid that picture of God that is not biblical? I have shared this illustration a number of times. I've never had that question come up. Okay, okay, okay. So that maybe later is something that clarifies as the people is more disciple into a biblical worldview. Okay, great, great, great. So then I would go on from there and I say, now we talked earlier about one of the symbols of the way back is the shedding of blood. Yes. And as you know, most Muslims don't think that Jesus died. Yes. And so I think the easiest way to do that is say, can you read this verse for me? Or can I tell you this verse? It's from Ali Umran, verse 55, chapter three, verse 55. And it says, Jesus, I will make you die and I will raise you up to myself and I will purify you of the unbelievers and I will set your followers above the unbelievers until the day of judgment. Wow. 
And so this verse and a similar verse in chapter 5, Al-Ma'idah, verse 117, talk about God causing Jesus to die. Mm. And so the symbol of the blood also fits there. Right. So we have Jesus is the one who died. Jesus is the one who we must obey. Jesus is the predestined mercy. And Jesus is part of, you know, being on the straight path and the way for forgiveness and mercy. And I see, Jeff, that the verse that the ayah from the Quran that you mentioned is very important because it shows that by attachment to this Jesus, the those who follow him are above the unbelievers. So there is a reversal of the status. They go from shame to be now above the unbelievers. Yeah. And, and this is till the day of, of resurrection, which yeah. many Muslims will tell you, well, no, it's until you... Uh, the coming of Muhammad. When Muhammad came, now everybody has to shift and become a Muslim and follow the religion of, of Islam and so forth. But here the Quran is very clear that those who are attached with Jesus, they are above the unbelievers till the day of, Je- of uh, resurrection. So it's yep. to the very end of history. And I think you could say that they are above the unbelievers not only because they have gotten that honor, but I would say also because they have gotten forgiveness. Right, they had been cleansed, therefore now they can stand in a in an exalted place, place before yeah. God. Beautiful, beautiful. So after all that, I would say, okay, we've seen that Jesus is connected with shedding his blood, with being sent, with being part of the obeying and being part of the straight path. The mercy that he gives is the predestined mercy, and he's the honorable, sinless one who's close to God that can bring us back to God. I say, you have already said that you fear God, follow God, and worship God. Are you going to start obeying Jesus so you can get on the straight path? Oh, right, right, right. And this is this is the kind of thing that your appeal. To why okay, so in you know, when I before I started sharing this, before I kind of figured this out, and by the way, this only took me about 30 years in the Middle East to figure out. (laughs) Thank you for saving us some time, Jeff. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah, so before I would do that, I would start off, you know, God loves you, and they would say, No, God only loves the believers, okay, and I said, And God has a wonderful plan for your life and mm-hmm. and man is sinful and they say no he's not sinful we're just weak that's right and that's right. then i said and the penalty of sin is death and they said no 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 god can forgive whoever he wants that's right and i said so jesus died and they say no he didn't <laughs> and so every step of the way you're running into a roadblock everything you want to say that was my story <laughs> at the beginning remember i told you that's exactly my story when I asked the ladies, what did you hear me saying? Basically, it's like, well, Allah is most merciful and very powerful. If he wants to forgive, all he has to say, I forgive you, and he's done. So what is the need of all this shed of blood and going to the cross and all that? There is no need for that. And yeah. suddenly I was like, oh, what am I going to say now? So, yeah, that's exactly what you are describing. 
So when we do it this way, you know, we start off with Adam and they give me what happened to Adam and what, what he was and what he became. And they can answer most of those questions. When I add, give them the stories, they, they all click with it. They answer those. And instead of, uh-uh, no, 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 it's, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, right, we agree. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm using their book to, and the, their way of thinking to bring them to see the necessity of Jesus. Amen. And so going back to the very beginning, Jeff, we talked that there is a way by which the good news is coming and telling, showing people that God has a way to restore their honor. Yeah. And so honor, for what I understood you explaining, it's a reversal of a status. You go from down, being cast down, sent out, going into exile, whatever one you want to call it, and be out of the family to being restored back to that position, that original position that God had given Adam. It's kind of the direction of what you are trying to explain. Yeah, exactly. I would say the gospel in its most simple version would be Adam had it, Adam lost it, Jesus gets it back. Right. And in this case, Adam had honor, he lost his honor, and Jesus gives it back. Right, right, right. Now, and, you have uh, used the Quran. There will be people probably here in the podcast that are not working with Muslims, are working with other people groups. But I think that that dynamic that you described of the story, Adam received it as a mercy from God. He lost it by disobedience. God has a plan to restore him, and that plan includes Jesus. I think that three-point dynamic it applies all across whatever honor, shame uh, context they will be ministering to. Yeah, you could do it from a point of view of peace. Adam had peace with God, with the animals, with his wife. He lost the peace and fell into fear, and Jesus is the one who gives us peace back. So that would be a more relational focus? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, okay. that would be more relational. You could do any number of ways— I think our, the gospel, as we present it in the West, as it just Jesus forgives your sins, yeah. is far too small of a gospel. Right. Because I think when Jesus died to take our sins, he also took our shame. Right. He took our fear. He took yeah. our estrangement. He took all these things that we are uncleanness, and he gives us the positive side of those. Right. Well, Jeff, this has been very, very helpful. Thank you for sharing how you will tell the, the story. Now, how early would you share this story with a Muslim friend? You know, I have shared it the first time I met somebody. I generally start off with the simple version of the kingdom circles. Okay. which is basically you have a Muslim circle and a Christian circle, and a lot of people want to convert each other. But yeah. the Bible and the Quran don't support that idea of changing your religious community. Right. But they support the idea of getting into the kingdom of God, which in the Quran, the closest thing they have to the kingdom of God is the straight path. Yes. Right. And so then I said, would you like to talk more about the straight path? Right. So and you are, you they, are stating— Basically, what you're doing is you're setting the conversation from my religion and your religion competing to actually, this is about a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is about how we, how we get our honor back. This is not about what religious community you were born into or I was born into. Yes, yes, yes. And that, why is that important, Jeff? Well, 
if they think you're trying to convert them, yes, then they will have their fists up. Yes, right. But if you start from the beginning, it's like, I'm not going to try to convert you. I'm not going to convert to your religion. But we can all seek something together. Yeah, we can and grow closer says, to God. Seek first his kingdom. Yes. And the Quran says, guide us on the straight path. And I think those are Amen. very similar statements. I mean, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Jeff, I appreciated this conversation very much, and I'm sure our listeners would too. I have one final question for you. For okay. those, who, those who are working cross-culturally, especially in the Arab world, what would be your top three picks of translations of the Bible that you would like to recommend that would be helpful for the, the witnessing? And why are you chose, choosing those translations? Okay, let me preface this with a, a scale of translation. If you just change the names from Christian names to Muslim names, yes. let's call that barely Muslim. Okay. And if you change not just the names, but a little bit of the, the phrasing, the way they think and stuff like that, that would say, let's call that Muslim. Right. And if you can really go into the way that they think and their mindset and their culture and mm -hmm. phrase things in a way that are, that are immediately clear to them, yes. then I would call that very Muslim. Okay. So we have okay. barely Muslim, Muslim, and very Muslim. Okay. There is a translation of the whole Bible called Al-Kitab al-Sharif, and that is a barely Muslim one. They've changed okay. the, the name for Jesus and John the Baptist and stuff like that, but they haven't really done anything with theology and making yeah. it clear. So that's the barely Muslim one. The Muslim yeah. one, I would say, is the translation done by Al-Kalima. Yes. And this has two parts. The first part they called the true meaning of the gospel of Christ. Yes. And the second part just recently came out, and it's the, the letters and revelation. Yes, yes, yes. And that was done by a group of Muslims and Christians, yeah. but the Christians kind of had their eyes on the translation to make sure it didn't get too Muslim. Right. Okay. And the very Muslim one is the one I like best. Yes. And it's it's just called Al-Injil. It doesn't have any introduction or anything else. It's okay. just, just the text of the New Testament. And this one gets really into the the heart. When a Muslim read it, it, it really touches his heart. And that one you can see online. I think you can download it online at alkotob, A-L-K-O-T-O-B dot org. Right. Um, okay. Has that and a number of others. And if you want a hard copy, yes. you can send an email yes. to books at earsight, E-A-R-S-I-G-H-T mm -hmm. dot com. Okay. And you can order one of those from them. Okay. And is there any good version that you can recommend that has Arabic and English side by side? There is a version. I did a back translation from the Arabic into English okay. of the Al-Injil. Okay. And I am working on getting that into a usable form that will be that will be usable for for that. There is an early version that has been put online yes. and I will get that link for you. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. And also, we want to tell you, dear listener, that together with this podcast, you'll be receiving a file 
that it's attached to the website. And in the file, you're going to find the written version of the story that was presented today so that you can go over more carefully. And now most of you might not be able to remember the Quranic verses. Like Jeff has said, This he's been in this ministry for 40 plus years. Some of you are newer. But if you can keep the flow of the story, the direction of the story, and keep it as a story format, I think that will have a much greater impact. I have been sharing the story since those early days. I have learned my lesson that something needed to change. And I had been doing more of a story format alone, honor, shame. And I had seen beautiful responses from Muslims. Jeff, why don't we finish with one story maybe? Can you tell us the response that you got from one person that you shared this story and suddenly for the first time came to see that the mercy of God actually had a name? You know, when I've shared this, this, I believe, is a good presentation, summary presentation of the gospel. But I don't believe that most Muslims are immediately going to say, oh, OK, well, I need to follow Jesus. What do I what right, do? I do? Right, right. I have seen a number of Muslims come to faith. I've never seen any come to faith the first time I talk with them. Yes. But it but, opens um, the direction for further yeah. discipling. Yeah, I think this would be a good, would you like to study this more and clarify it? And then you can look all on this file that you're including. It has all the Quranic references so that if you want to look at them with your friend, you can look at them. They're right there. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. You being extremely helpful and we appreciated you sharing the wisdom of uh, 30 plus years of witnessing in an ownership context. We wish you God's blessing. And also we, we want to thank the listeners and I hope that this presentation was a blessing. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact us. You'll find our phone number and email in the bottom of the page. So God bless you. Until next time, see you soon. Thank you. What a rich conversation that was. And yes, don't keep it to yourself. By the way, in parenthesis, if I was writing this text, I would put a smiling emoji here. So, wink wink, yes, don't keep this episode to yourself. Share it with others. Send someone who you know will appreciate the insights in this interview a link to the webpage where we're hosting it right on our website. You can find it at iwm.adventist.org forward slash podcast. Or you also could share this episode with all of your friends on social media. By the way, the social media sharing may not be appropriate in your context, but if it is, by all means, share it. I also promised to share with you about an upcoming series of online courses on an AMR ministry, which stands for Adventist Muslim Relations Ministry. We are finishing the first course in close collaboration with the Global Mission Center for AMR. And it will be, that course will be on the IWM Learning Catalog in a matter of few days. These courses, since there will be a few of them, will require special application and approval process. But again, that's nothing hard for anyone in the Adventist AMR community, right? So do check with the IWM online course catalog after you hear this episode. And the link for the course catalog you will also find in the show notes. The first course may already be there. For now though, 
let me wish you to stay healthy and strong. My name is Alex Ott and I am looking forward to seeing you next week.